Hello, race fans. This is Ben Dethridge with High Side Racing Promotions. Today's guest is Dominic Selzy. He is the two-time defending NARC Fujitsu General Sprint Car Series champion in California. He is from Fresno, California. He's going to talk to us today about his 2022 season, what plans for 2023 look like, as well as some other interesting things. We hope you enjoy it. That's who we got coming up next. Well, we'd like to welcome my next guest at this time. He drives the number 41 Sprint Car from Fresno, California, Dominic Selzy. Dominic Thanks for taking the time, being on board with us here. Uh, holidays are coming up, so Christmas can be a bit of a wild and crazy time of the the, the whole calendar year. But uh, great to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here, man. 2022, I mean, what can you say? You're, you're now a multi-time NARC Fujitsu General Series champion. Uh, you were managed to pull off in the 410s five victories, Uh Based off of 38 starts, had 25 top 10s, 18 top 5s, 14 podium finishes with an average finish of 8.26. 360s, you guys had some success too with 6 wins. 6 wins and 22 starts, a really good win percentage there. 15 top, uh, 15 podiums, 17 top 5s and 20 top 10s and 22 starts. 4.59 overall, 6.9 for an average finish, 60 starts, 45 top 10s, 29 podiums, and 11 victories. How how would you rate 2022 uh, self-assessment, though? You know, it was a very good year. We, we improved on a lot of things that I felt like we needed a little help on in 2021. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, we just didn't equate out to as many wins as we did, uh, you know, the, the previous year. So I, I would give us a... Um, I felt like night or 2021 was uh, you know maybe an A minus, and I felt like this year we were we were a solid B or a B plus. You know, I think that um, we definitely could have been better at times, but there were also you know we, we got into a run there in, in May. I think we won five races in a row or something like that. So it was um, a little bit of a hot and cold year. We were incredibly consistent all year long which was uh, you know, really good. We qualified better this year than we did previously, but uh, I felt like we kind of got into a slum there uh, you know, later in the year. Uh, for whatever reason, it just seemed like we, we struggled executing late in the race, and, and that was something I felt like early in the season and last year we were really good at. So, um, you know, all in all, it was a really good year. I just felt like there was um, you know, just a short time where I felt like we may, maybe not really got lost, but just seemed to to um, you know, not really be able to rack the wins up like we had, would have liked, and then uh, you know later at the, at the very end of the year, I felt like we really were strong. Uh, we went down to Arizona, we won both nights, and came back to Merced. And the first night went tenth or eleventh to fifth, and then was actually leading with about six or seven to go at the final race of the year there in Merced, and I had a right rear bleeder stick under yellow, and ended up uh, you know losing the right rear. So. Um, you know, there were a handful of races that we led and, and were closed and just, it didn't work out or had something stupid happen. So all in all, it was a really good year and, uh, I'm looking forward to what next year has to bring. And, and the victories that you got, for instance, for the four tens, you won at a different place each time, Colorado Speedway in Hanford, Petaluma, Silver Dollar Speedway in Chico, Thunderbolt Raceway in Tulare and Southern Oregon Speedway in White City. 360 though, you were able to get a couple of multiple wins at some tracks ocean speedway in watsonville you mentioned cocopa speedway in Summerton, arizona and then single wins at silver dollar and and Tulare too so kind of spread it out uh spread it out as far as the the win list was considered 
Yeah, we would, you know, I would say over the last maybe three or four years, I've been really fortunate enough to, um, you know, I've got enough laps now and we've got a really good team behind me that you know, I feel like we're consistent and we have a shot to win every night, everywhere we go. And, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you how many different tracks we won at this year, but it was quite a few. And, and our goal every year was we wanted to win somewhere new, wanted to win the NARC championship. We were able to win, uh, you know, like Cocopa was for the first time we won there. And, uh, you know, we won at Southern Oregon for the first time. So won at a couple new places, um, which is always exciting. And we were able to um, defend our championship title, which is really neat. And, you know, I, like I said, I think all in all, it was a really good year. And I think that with what we learned late in the year and, you know, kind of taking off of where we think we're, we're going for 2023, I, I think, you know, I, I feel confident going into the year. And, and uh, you know, I think just like, always you know after you've won some you know a championship and now defended the championship you want to uh you know kind of get back into that idea of you know how do we race for a third a possible third championship run totally and you know let's rewind the clock to this time last year was the goal always to run for the narc general fujitsu series or were you were you just uh gonna kind of play it by ear see how things shook up see where you guys were comfortable at with your program uh, no, our, our goal from the beginning of the season, you know, in 2019, uh, I drove for Roth Motorsports for the entire NARC schedule, and uh, we, we led the series in wins, laps led, top fives, top threes. Uh, you know, we were, I felt like we're, in my opinion, the best car, and we had a, um, a Magneto failure on night two that took us from running fourth to a DNF that landed us like 23rd in points, mm-hmm. and uh, with the way the points system is structured we lost 18 points at that one event and uh you know we ended up losing the championship by 11 points so it really lit a fire under my butt and you know when we decided to chase it in 2021 uh with the family car with my team um you know our our biggest goal was to you know cut out you know have no dnfs and, and really cut out any failures as best as we could Obviously, some things are out of your control, but we wanted to do the best job we could of that and win a lot of races. And, in, you know, in 19 in the 83 car, we won five NARC events. And in 2021, we won six NARC events, which was, you know, the best that I'd ever, you know, had in a season for uh, four tenor wins. And then this year, we won four in a row there with the NARC series and had a, a non-points night Chico that we won as well. So I felt like, you know, we, we did our job there of, of winning and being consistent and you know, this year we were lucky enough to only have one DNF, which was an engine failure, uh, very late in the season. And, and, you know, we were lucky enough that we had scored enough points to, you know, stay out front and, and have it locked up going into the final race of the year. But, um, you know, I, I had never really raced for points in my sprint car career before 2019. And, and after doing it once and, and being so close and then now doing it two more times and being able to successfully win championships, um, you know, I can't tell you for certain, uh, you know, because I have some, a few things going on in, in my life that, you know, might keep me away from running the full championship in 2023. But as of right now stands, our plan is to run the entire NARC schedule again in 23 and, and hopefully go for, uh, you know, three wins or three championships in a row. Which would, would put you, you're already an elite group by winning it more than once, but no doubt, you know, having a hat trick would definitely uh, put you in an even more prestigious category. Absolutely. That's uh, always the goal. And, uh, you know, there's a handful of guys on, on the, uh, 
NARC history books that have won basically three or more championships. I want to say it's only like six guys ever. So, uh, you know, that's something that's a goal of mine and our team is to try and continue to rack up the wins and, and you know, continue to, to climb the all-time win list for the NARC series and as well as uh, climb the, the championship uh, list. So I know neither of them are easy. And uh, just about the time you think you've got it all figured out, there's always a curveball thrown. So. Sure. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying racing out here on the West Coast. Is is something that you know I really didn't do a whole lot of over the last five or six years. But now that I've been home here the last two seasons, it's been a lot of fun racing on the West Coast. Yeah, that's awesome. And you said 2023 is a little bit undetermined on some specifics. But is there anything specific that you guys are pretty much committed to, like run specific races or or anything of that nature? Uh, you know, right now it's a little early to say. Our our goal as of right now is to run the entire NARC schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I, uh, my wife and I are expecting our second child in April, and there's a lot of 410 racing in April. So it's yeah. really going to depend on uh, when our little one's ready to pop out. And, uh, you know, as long as everything goes, uh, you know, well there, I'm, I'm hoping we can make all the races. But, you know, if something comes up or, or the timing doesn't work out, then we'll just, uh, you know, we'll change our plan and go to a pick-and-choose schedule. And, and I would imagine the plan would be run the majority of the 410 events, as many as we can possibly hit on the western U.S. And, uh, you know, I don't think right now we have any plans of traveling. But, you know, like I said, things can change on a whim. But right now our goal for our team is to, uh, you know, hopefully have a, a third dark championship by the end of 2023. No doubt. Speaking of being a dad, you know, you already are one, and it, it changes things. It changes your whole life. Have you noticed since you've became a father that that your driving style or your mentality has been completely different since then? Has it gotten more aggressive or more passive, uh, more uh, more, more uh, thinking big picture kind of, kind of deal? You know, I, I mean, for me, I felt like uh, you know, just the years of experience of racing on the road, has really helped me, uh, I wouldn't say calm down, but fit, but learn how to utilize all 30 laps or all 40 laps or however long that race is, utilize all the laps instead of, uh, you know, trying to race wide open for all 30 or all 40 laps, sure. however long the event is. So um, I would say one thing that has definitely changed for having a kid is, you know, when there is that little bit of extra danger factor, extra uh, fudge factor that you feel like, you know, I might not make it through this corner or, or this move might cost me a chance at, at finishing the race. Um, you know, I, I will have to admit, I've, it's definitely slowed me down in that aspect. It's, it's taken a little bit of the risk factor out for me. Um, but I think at the, the end of the day, it's made me a lot smarter of a driver. And, and you know, it's, I feel that I've really done a better job over the last you know, two years of, of being a dad, of utilizing the important parts of the race and not burning my tire off not racing hard, you know, as hard as some guys do early and waiting to the end and, and letting the race kind of work back to me. And, uh, I feel like that's been a, a an asset more than it's been a hindrance for me in, in the last few years. And you, know, you get guys like Corey day or Justin Sanders who, they, I mean, they push from lap one to lap 30 every single night. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're up on top of the podium. Other times they're, they're on the tow truck, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, guys like that push me to be better because, they are so tough to beat, especially being on kill from lap one to lap 30. They don't take any laps off where, you know, I feel like for me, not that it's lazy, but, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to save equipment and hope for late yellows and hope for, you know, a yellow flag with 
within 10 to go or something and or lap traffic and be able to bunch back up and hope that I have a little bit more gas in the tank when maybe they're either, uh, you know, physically depleted or, or maybe they've burnt their, uh, their tires off or, or blistered tire or something like that. So I try to play the smart game uh, more so now than I ever have before. And, and quite honestly, I feel like it's, it's paid off for me more over the last few years than it ever has uh, before that. Sure. So a lot less lightning and queen moves. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so we're, there was once upon a time a thing called the off season where we didn't really race that, you know, there was that kind of hibernation period. It's really kind of become non-existent in the last few seasons, but, but for you in the off season, what do you do to keep yourself busy? What, what are the things that you like to enjoy kind of away from the racing scene once that things have come to a conclusion? I'll tell you what, I really love having weekends home with my family. It, it's, uh, I think more special every single day, just watching my, my daughter grow and, and being able to spend time with my dogs. Like right now I'm just laying on the couch with my puppy dog. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So for me, having my weekends and having the, you know, not the late nights and, and being able to enjoy, you know, a little bit of normalcy is, is awesome for me. And, uh, you know, at the same time, this is probably the most serious I've been on an off season of wanting to, uh, you know, lose some weight and get serious on my cardio and, and be in the best shape physically and mentally for next year. I feel like uh, it's something that gets, I guess, overlooked a little bit in our world of sprint car racing, but I think it's really important. And something I haven't taken as serious the last few years, just with the you know the amount of things on my plate away from the racetrack. But, you know, I'm kind of at a point in my life where I'm able to get a little more serious with, with what I want to be and, and how I want to attack the season and, um, you know, my guys are there. I mean, they're ready to win. They're ready to, uh, you know, put all the effort in and, and I want to match that. I want to make sure that I don't leave anything on the table because like I said, you know, when you have guys, you know, like Corey and like Justin and, and, uh, Shane Golubic and, you know, guys like that weekend and week out, they're putting all the effort in all the time. And, you know, right now I feel like we're the ones, we're the ones that are getting chased and I don't, I don't ever want to be the one that's having to chase. So, uh, you know, it's time to put a little bit more work in and, and hopefully, the results follow. When you mentioned a really good aspect that is often overlooked, I mean, you know, mental preparation is a huge thing. Physical preparation is a, you know, because it's a physical sport. Yeah, it's, you know, mechanical, like from, you know, the, the, the average fan of it's just cars. It's just worrying about the cars. But for the drivers, you know, you're on a three-eighths mile and it goes 30 laps nonstop, you know, green to checkered, and maybe it's a, you know, a, a track with character a little hammer down it will it'll wear anybody out so absolutely so you have to you have to have that stamina like you said the cardio and you know and just you know the mental strength to go through it right yeah it, it, it's not easy i i look at guys that um you know they've done it a long time and, and you see the change in their career like for instance donnie shots everyone talks about how consistent he is and how he, you know, he never really puts himself in, in positions to crash or be out of the race. But if you look at earlier in, the, in his career, like when he was really young, a lot of guys were like, man, this guy's never going to make it because yeah. he was always hanging in the fence and crashing. And, yeah. and once he, you know, I don't know what it was. I, obviously, it was before I was ever racing sprint cars. But once he figured out what it took to, you know, be close every night, you know, then you start seeing, you know, the winds grow and, and everything like that grows. So, you know, I look at a guy like that. I look at a guy like Jason Myers, two of probably the most mentally tough guys um, in the world of sprint car racing. And you look at a guy like Brad Sweet, what he's done over the last four years, you know, it takes extreme mental toughness and, 
you know, I know that it's, it's become more of a common thing. You know, there's guys and race teams out there that many people don't know, but they see sports psychologists and they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're deep diving in inwards into themselves to try and better their, you know, maybe their decision-making or, or just how they feel and their confidence going into every night. So um, there's definitely something to be said for investing in yourself to get your best result. And I think now more than ever, we're starting to see that. Yeah, I, because it's a very humbling sport. Like you said, you had four in a row, and then there you guys went through a rough patch. I mean, psychologically, that could you know, be like basically hell existing in your head sometimes. Of I, I could do everything right and not win, or not even be coming close to winning. Whereas right. other times, it's like I felt like I gave no effort and everything just fell fell my way. I mean, that can that can play some mind games with you sometimes. Exactly, and momentum is so important in our world. You want to make sure that you know when you do have momentum, you use it. And uh, you know, a lot of times, if a guy can win two races in a row, maybe three races in a row, that momentum can carry them to really good finishes and a really good possibly month or a few months or maybe even a season. Because so many times we see guys get on a roll, and their momentum will make guys around them start to make mistakes because they're pushing so hard to beat them. So, um, you know, whenever you get uh, you know, a few things fall your way. Utilize any advantage you have and any momentum you've got to, uh, you know, try and continue to uh, push the success. Well, and and it reminds me of something that really stuck with me is as a kid, I just started announcing and everything. And Steve Kent, who's from your neck in the woods with KPC, he uh, he he had mentioned in an interview during like Speed Week Northwest about you know it was like his only podium of the whole week and they'd just been struggling. It's like, you know, I'm just happy because this sport is so humbling. You can have all the success in the world and then just one day, like you'll never win again or vice versa, have no success at all. And all of a sudden start winning. You don't know when it starts and you don't know when it's like life. You don't know when it's going to get good or when it's going to get rough. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that, that I've learned over the last few years, uh, you know, my dad has, has battled some health issues over the last two years. And, and you know, before he was a pretty healthy guy, never really had any issues. So mm-hmm. I think just, uh, you know, learning to enjoy every moment, not knowing what the future holds and be in the moment has been a big thing, a big focus of mine to just say, hey, you know what? I'm in a really good place right now. I don't know what's coming, but I'm going to do my best to make sure whatever is coming, I'm putting a, as good of uh, mojo out there, as good of attitude out there that, uh, you know, whatever's coming is going to be equally as good or maybe even better. And and if it doesn't, you know, what's the next step to overcome? You know, the best way to, uh, you know, start up after failure is to pick yourself up off the floor and, and start figuring out where you're going wrong and, and try and right your wrongs. So a lot, a lot of that in life, I think, I think that's what makes people champions in life is being able to get themselves back up and dust themselves off and continue pushing. And, um, you know, I think it's very important from, a racer standpoint to never expect to win, never, uh, you know, take anything for granted because there are no easy wins. And, and when you are winning and you have good things coming your way, enjoy every second of it. Because just like Steve said, you have no idea when your last win is. And, and quite honestly, I may have already won my last race. Nobody knows that except for the man upstairs. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And tomorrow's never guaranteed. It's, it's a sad, but true fact, you know, so you have to make, make the most out of every single day. And like you said, yeah, it's it's all about getting up and dusting off. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte said victory or uh, it, uh, success isn't, you know, in, in the victory of a battle. It's uh, 
it's taking every failure and setback and or taking every failure and looking at it as a setback and just overcoming it. So no Absolutely. doubt. Um, so yeah, talking about your dad, your dad, you know, had a distinguished career with NHRA with drag racing. Was there any or sort of ever interest for you to go that route or has it always been circle track racing? You know, I, I, uh, I saw my first sprint car race at five years old. And from that point on, quite honestly, I never had any interest in anything but sprint cars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really up until probably maybe I was 12, 14 years old, I never really had any interest in anything except for winged sprint cars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, that's always been my love. You know, my dad had an amazing career, but it's just never was something that, that I, I mean, I, I love drag racing, but I don't love it. Like I love sprint car racing. And, and, uh, you know, even now my dad is more of a sprint car fan than he is a drag racing fan. Sure. Sure. And, and you know, you mentioned a great point, you know, you said specifically wing sprint car racing where you're from Fresno, uh, is considered the Central Valley for folks that are listening around the world that may not know exactly where that is. But, you know, for so many years, or at least it seemed like me outside looking in, a lot of the big powerhouse successful guys had came from either with the Catings in the Bay Area or all those teams from the Sacramento area. But in the last, oh, I don't, you would know this more than me, 10 years or so, maybe a little bit more, there's been a big, huge youth movement, you included, uh, from the Central Valley, a lot of that is, uh, you know, a testament of Plaza Park, Lemoore, um, micro yep. sprint racing. I agree with that 100%. Uh, you know, I look at the teams are here locally. You look at, uh, you know, Ross Motorsports, Tarleton Motorsports, Williams Motorsports. How many championships from 2000 to recent have come right here in the Central Valley? Not only, you know, I, I want to say Ross has four NARC titles. I think... Uh, well, Jonathan Allard had, uh, I think maybe three NART titles, possibly four. I think it was three. And then Bud Kading won one there. So Williams has four. Uh, then you look at Tolson has two with Kyle Hurst and Carson Macedo. You have, um, DJ Neto with one, myself with two. So, I mean, that, that's an, uh, uh, excuse my French, a shitload of championships <laughs> over the just the last 20 years, 22 years of sprint car racing here all within a 45 minute drive of each other so sure. you know you look at california as a whole you know jason myers was a two-time world of outlaw champion back to back in the the late 2000s uh brad sweet now four-time champion just up the road sacramento to me you know california doesn't get the recognition like uh let's say pennsylvania but the difference truly is the Pennsylvania guys all stay there. They stay together. They race there. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if the, you know, just half of the really good guys from California didn't leave guys sure. like, you know, Rico was around full time or Kyle Larson, or, mm-hmm. you know, hell Brad sweet, my brother, um, buddy Kofoid, all these amazing, amazing talents that have come up through California, gotten good. And then off they go to throughout the Midwest. And then, you know, they're on their way to start them. Sure. I truly believe that there's a breeding ground in California, unlike anywhere else in the United States, unlike anywhere else in the world with talent. And it comes from Plaza Park, comes from the Lamore Jet Bowl, it comes from Delta Speedway, comes from Cycleland, it comes from Bimming. Mm-hmm. Guys that race on the West Coast, I truly believe, are just brought up differently. And there's a, a magic there. You know, I've had some success over the last two years but I'm nowhere near one of the top three or four, even top 10 guys 
that have come out of California in the last decade or two. I mean, it's amazing the talent has, that's come out of here. I'm just right now. I've been the lucky guy that's been on top, but so many of our talented guys are either doing other stuff or jumping into other things or following great opportunities, and it's it's really neat to see. Yeah, yeah, and and that's not to and my point being not to take away, you know, Jason Myers, uh, Steve Kent. Uh, what Tim Green was from the Fresno area, Ronnie Day. I mean, there, um, there's been just sensational. But it just seems like there, there's more. Like, for folks that don't know, Colorado Speedway. I think Peter Murphy gets a huge pat on the back and props and kudos, as well as the folks at Thunderbolt Raceway bringing back the Kings of Thunder and a lot of NARC shows at both facilities because there for a little bit. And correct me if I'm wrong. There was only like one or two races, and, and there was Cotton Classic and and Trophy Cup. And that was kind of it. Now it's sort of like a more of a full-time deal where it's almost, not quite, but almost running every week. I know that there's a shutdown during the hot months. Well, I think, you know, in reality, there, there was racing around here, but not as many big races. I mean, really for us, the, the Cotton Classic was a big one. And then you had, uh, you know, the H, or not the HK, the, um, the Pombo Sergeant, and then you had Trophy Cup. There really wasn't a ton of huge races in the Central Valley, so... A lot of it got overlooked most of the time, but, um, you know, Peter in 20, uh, I want to say 2021 had a bunch of races at Hanford. Tulare mm-hmm. had a bunch of races. We saw that drop off, uh, you know, tremendously last year. You know, there, there were not many races in Hanford at all. Um, there weren't many races in Tulare at all. Um, you know, but the races that they had were all big paying races. I think this year, from what it sounds, both racetracks are going to have a lot of races. And they're going to have big paying races, which is great for the Central Valley. But, um, you know, I'm a big supporter of what you know Peter's trying to do. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's able to have some more races successfully on his schedule and not, you know, have cancellations like we did this year or, you know, just sometimes maybe lack of scheduling. So mm-hmm. um, really hoping that we're able to have a big successful year like we did in 2021 here. I mean, honestly, you ask anyone down here in California, and I think the 2021 season was, what looked like to the racers the most successful year that we've seen in 20 years between Hanford and Tulare. But the amount of races, the quality of races, the quality of car counts, that was incredible. So if we can get back to doing that like we did in 2021 instead of last year, I think we'll see uh, some really impressive stuff start coming out of the Central Valley again. Yeah, yes, no doubt. And there has also been a, a, a number of distinguished non-wing racers too. So I, I was I was uh, catching on the you know the the wing and and non-wing stuff because there's been a, a pretty prestigious history of non-wing racing in the Central Valley, especially Hanford, Tulare, even Bakersfield. Right. Yeah. No. There's a ton of it. And uh, you know, when I was growing up, when I was young, the wing stuff was what I always loved, but. Like Peter Murphy, he, he would win almost every race. I could remember going to Hanford, mm-hmm. and they would get 40, 50 non-wing 360 or non-wing 4.10 sprint cars, yeah. and, and he, would, he would be the guy to beat. So In a Tarleton I mean, car, I think, most of the time. In, in a Tarleton car, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, like, to me, the, I don't know what went wrong on the USAC side or the, or the non-wing sprint car side, but it's almost all but extinct here on the West Coast. I mean, CRA is a shell of itself, and, uh, you know, the West Coast – non-wing 360 i honestly don't even know if it's a series anymore but um you know obviously there's a lot of issues on that end and i don't think they have anybody like peter murphy that is uh you know putting the time in to to you know, try and put races on and make it better but you know i i think that you know guys like damian gardner the guy's won over 100 cra races he 
ran the USAC national tour forever. And I wish there, you know, maybe a guy like that could, could you know, at some point when he's done with his career, try and get in there and, and, and fix it from a promotion standpoint, because, you know, there's some broken stuff over there on the non-wing side, which is unfortunate because, you know, when I grew up, wing cars and non-wing cars ran hand in hand at Hanford and Tulare. So sure. I'd love to see that again. And, you know, who knows, maybe as I get a little bit older and, you know, start slowing down and, and uh, you know, racing a little bit less. Maybe I, I take a little dip in an on-ring racing and, and try and have some fun on that end. There you go. There you go. And, and it, great segue is, is um, how do I put this? Your, your speech on the microphone, you're not afraid to say what's on your mind. And, and some people might consider it, well, man, he's super abrasive or judgmental, but, but I think your honesty speaks volumes. And I think that's important what is your opinion on that, though? I'll tell you what, my opinion has, has gone back and forth, but unfortunately my actions haven't changed at all. <laughs> uh, you know, there's times where I, I wish maybe I, I should hold back or keep my mouth shut a little bit, and uh, I never seem to be able to do that for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely get a little bit of hate from it, but I think I at the end of the day I get a little bit more love. And, and what I always say, I do get I get asked about it a lot from – whether it be officials, competitors, fans, you know, sometimes even sponsors, but you know, how I really narrow it down is, you know, I've had the amazing opportunity to be able to race at a lot of different places and not everybody's been able to do that. And I don't take that lightly at all. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for everything I've been able to do from, you know, all the supporters that I've had, all the different sponsors throughout the years that have continued to support what we've done as a family race team. And then, you know, the times I've driven for other teams and be able to do a lot of stuff. I look at that and the experience that I've been able to gain as what I consider myself being a fan first and foremost, I see all the great and all the good that's in sprint car racing. And then I see the bad and the bad to me is outweighed tenfold to the good. The good is way more, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take a whole lot to soil a pie. Sure. And at the end of the day, it's very important for me as a fan first and foremost, and then as a competitor, and then as a car owner, to look at it and say, boy, we're making mistakes here, and it's really hurting our product that we're putting out there for sponsorship to get more money for events and, and for the fans to be able to make sure we put on a good show. And, you know, a few of the things that I'm pretty vocal on is, is uh, you know, track prep. I'm a firm believer that the racetrack needs to be, uh, you know, two lanes every night. You know, I, I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I, I like the racetrack to be slick and wide and, and a little bit slowed down and not wide open because I personally feel like the racing's a lot better when it gets like that. And it's also uh, less important to have really big motors. And, and, you know, then you take a little bit of the emphasis off of uh, the money being spent more so on the driver and the, the crew working on the car. I think that becomes way more important than the racetrack. It's like I look at, you know, the money we race for from a car owner standpoint, I want to see more money thrown at the, the races and at the racers and, and what they're doing in Skagit right now is a perfect example of that because, you know, quite frankly, the purses over the last 20 years have not moved very much. If you look at the entire spectrum of purses, but then you look at the cost and things have tripled and quadrupled. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I, I'm a big advocate for getting more money and, and, you know, hopefully those big money races put more fans in the stands. And then the third thing I look at is, how do we run a tidy show, you know, no downtime, making sure the fans in the stands have, you know, something going on constantly. And, and you know, I, I push really hard for 
when there is a race going on, especially if I have any say in it or if anyone wants to listen to me complain, don't have five or six classes where, you know, these poor kids are going to sleep at 11 or, you know, or not even 11. They're going to sleep at 2, 3 in the morning because the race doesn't get done until midnight or 1 o'clock. Sure. So to me, a, a race needs to get done in three and a half hours top. And you start at 7, get done at 10.30, start at, I don't know, 6.30 and get done at, you know, 9, 9.30. Mm-hmm. To me, it's perfect. My goal every night, you know, that Peter and I talk about, I think a perfectly run race is something that gets done at a time that if you wanted to and you're a little bit older, you can still make it to Applebee's and have a nice dinner or, you know, whatever. Or your kids aren't asleep before the main event runs because you want those kids to be watching the final race of the night. So for me, those are really my three points that I always seem to be harping on, pushing on. And I think I ruffle a few feathers, but at the end of the day, somebody's got to do it. You know, everybody is so politically correct anymore. And I am so far from that. I just couldn't couldn't disagree more with being politically correct. I think people want to see the real us. And, uh, you know, there's too many kids out there, too many guys out there that are just flat boring. Nobody wants to hear them. Nobody wants to talk to them. Everyone's a nice kid. Well, let's see, you know, who that kid really is. You know, some of those really nice kids aren't really nice kids. And some of those really quiet kids have such a personality. They're doing themselves a disservice by not showing that personality. And, uh, you know, I was just, I guess, in a lucky position that, you know, the supporters of our race team have been there from the beginning. And we've got an amazing group of sponsors that have been there from day one. And, uh, you know, they, they love me for who I am and, and, and it, it works out great. I'm able to say what I want to say. And, and, uh, you know, if I ruffle a few feathers, so be it. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, it's, you know, it, racing, uh, you have the fans, the drivers and the track, and it's like a Holy Trinity. And if there's one emphasis on too much, then it's, then it's off balance and you get, and that's, that's the trillion dollar question is how to keep that balance in place. You know, the track's got to make money, but the racers aren't, or, you know, the fans are paying too much, but they're not getting good, good product. It, it's such a balancing act and, you know, um, it, it's, it's tricky. So, but you know, that the fact that you're not compliant when that there's mistakes being made and it's, you know, like it may come off to somebody like, man, why are you being so aggressive, bro? It, that's that's not really the case. You say it because you care, not because you, you hate the person. So I think that exactly. that's important to to note there. Exactly, and and you know, and I I can't say it enough. I love this sport. This sport is, you know, I, I've grown up in it, and I love it, and I'm always going to be a part of it. But you know, on the same token, if if you know, for instance, if you look at any coach in the NFL or you look at any, um, you know, any fan in the NFL, they're pretty critical of the product that's put out there because they want what's best. They want everything that they're doing and they're a part of to continue to succeed and grow. And, and that's what I want for sprint car racing, especially on the West Coast. And, and I feel like now more than ever, the people that are involved are the right people. You know, I look at, uh, you know, with Scott Russell, with SCCT in Placerville, I think he does a phenomenal job, not only with his facility, not only with his uh, track surface, not only with his promotions, but he's paying good money. He's putting big races up. He's really being a, a driving force in the sprint car community out here. And, uh, you know, you look at Peter Murphy and Kevin Rudine. You look at um, you Jim Allen with the NARC series. There's so much good coming out here that it, it's really exciting. I know Brad and Colby and, and Kyle took over uh, uh, Chico, and, and now they've got the High Limit Series. I would love to see them 
um, you know, start putting a little bit more 410 races on and put a little bit more money up in California, which I think they're starting to do. So it's exciting what our future holds, but we need to make sure we're doing everything possible to continue to see it grow because, you know, we don't know what the future holds, just like we were saying earlier. And I want to make sure that, you know, whatever I'm doing and whatever our team's doing, we're making sure we're building everything up the best way we possibly can. And we're not letting things fall through the cracks. Exactly. And one of them, it's like, it's great to have a $50,000 to win race, but if it only pays $5,000 per second and $500 to start, holy smokes. Like that's, we want to talk I, about, uh, in a, um, you know, payout inequality. So I could not agree more with what you're saying. 100% right. You know, $500 for the first non-transfer for a B main, holy smokes. There, there's going to be some guys doing some unspeakable things, you know, just to get in the B main because they're probably the C main. So, Yep. Well, uh, we're going to kind of wrap things up here, but one of the last questions I had for you, numbers 41, it has been most of your career. It was Is there any backstory behind that at all, or is it just, just a, a number that you chose? Uh, you know, actually, my, my favorite number is 27. Always has been, probably always will be, but mm-hmm. – uh, my go-kart was 27 when I was a young kid. And then when we got into the dirt scene, uh, racing junior sprints, uh, we really just kind of, uh, I think my first number was uh, was number 20. At that point, Daniel Lasowski was driving the, the TSR 20. And then uh, he went to 83. He was driving the 83 car out here, the Ross car. And, uh, you know, once Danny um, left the 83 car, we're like, well, we need to come up with a number – of our own and i wanted to go back to 27 and at that point my in time my dad owned a usac midget which was number 41 and where that number came from was uh which was the original 41 for us was my dad wanted to be number one and back then i don't even know how it is anymore but you had to register your number with usac and number one was taken number four was taken Mm -hmm. number seven was taken so he tried for 14 which was number one four times because he's a four-time world champion sure. and 14 was taken so he's like well is 41 available and 41 was available and uh if he wasn't going to be able to get 41 he said he really wasn't sure what he was going to do but it was pretty <laughs> much the last pick and it's been something that's stuck ever since and i think it's a beautiful number you don't really see many 41s out there so sure. it's a lot of fun to be able to have a number that not many people have and you know hopefully uh you know one day maybe we can look back on it and talk about the 41 car which i think would be my goal is one day maybe being a car owner you know the, the famous formula 41 would be a really cool thing for people to say maybe 30 years from now no doubt no doubt well we appreciate your time we know you're a busy guy i mean the holidays are around you're 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 a working man and of course you got to get your race team all prepped and ready but but we greatly appreciate it but i do want to let you have a chance to thank all the wonderful people your sponsors your marketing partners your crew for just a second absolutely you know for sure, my mom and dad, they've been the biggest supporters of mine from day one. Um, you know, we've got a family of people that have always been there for us. Um, fuel delivery service, Whipple Superchargers with the entire Whipple family. Um, Redline Oil Can in Sparco Fire Suits. I've been wearing a Sparco suit for 16 years now. It's been an amazing ride. Um, the Jorgensen family with the Jorgensen Eagle. Um, Meridian Steel, there's some amazing people. Napa Auto Parts, even that have uh, they've, they've all been involved for a long time and, and i'm very thankful for it so um you know and i would say last but definitely not least would be selzy enterprises our our family business and, and red rose transportation two um of our family businesses that have uh you know all of our employees really are on the the racing bandwagon now and 
you know, whenever we go to a race here in the Central Valley, you know, it's, it's nothing to get 15, 20 of our, uh, our stealthy guys out there and, and, uh, you know, repping the 41 car on their, their back. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. We've got what we built with our race team and thankful for it every single day. Well, awesome. Well, we thank you for taking the time and we wish you and your family as well as, uh, everybody on your race team, the happiest of holidays. And we'll be seeing you soon at a race in 2023. Absolutely, man. Take care. Hopefully Santa Claus brings everything your kids are wanting this year. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He doesn't have to worry about taking care of me, but my kids, yes, exactly. Gotta Absolutely. Got to keep the battalion happy. That's right.